tag team each other. It essentially verifies your butt thinking. It does. It does verify verify my butt thinking. And I will BRB because I have to pee now. Welcome to Unholy Spirits. We're glad you've chosen to listen to us. We're three friends who get together each week to talk theology, alcohol, and whatever comes in between. There's nothing too radical or off limits as we seek the ridiculous ridiculousness that is God's very existence. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us in our conversation. So what are you drinking tonight, Chaz? I am drinking a pineapple mango IPA from Triple C in Charlotte. Hmm. Which I haven't had Triple C in a long time and they're one of my favorites from charlotte i had or before this one before we got on i had they have a cherry limeade sherbet sour and it's like a cherry and lime sour with lactose and it was delicious it tasted like a cherry limeade sounds good (laughs) oh god you don't like cherry limeades? No. Like from Sonic? I haven't been to Sonic in like 18 years. I guess there was like... That seems excessive. I, you know, I just never really been a Sonic person. No? No, uh-uh. More, you get more, tots there. Yeah, more of a cookout person. Well, everybody loves cookout. Yeah, I don't really... I don't feel this is mutually exclusive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Just, just never, never really my thing. Yeah, Although cherry limeades are worth it. There was this like in um in the in the town of Mayadan that we discussed a few episodes back. There's this place called the Airport Drive-In, and they have like a they do like a I don't know how they it's a Mountain it's a Mountain Dew, but I think they like put a bit more syrup in it, and then they do like a che- like cherry flavored in it. So kind of the same thing maybe i don't know it's basically a shirley temple but made with mountain dew yeah so it's like a cherry mountain dew it's a cherry mountain dew but they do it with i think they do so it's it a mountain dew code red that was an amazing thing when that like came out the first time but theirs is better because they also have the rabbit pellet ice which some reason mm-hmm. makes it significantly better that does can make we, it better can we just talk about how like some of those mountain dew flavors were on point and then some of them were like <laughs> have you tried the new one the watermelon one no and there's bojangles has an exclusive mountain dew now have you had that one mm-mm, mm-mm. it's see, like southern something southern see i always like live wire the orange one. Oh yeah baja blast is no joke you know it is a huge joke what is like mountain something mountain lion where it's like you might, they, might, they might as well call it Mountain Dew Jizz. I don't I don't know that one. It's it's like You're talking about the, like the off brand? No. No, no, no. It's, it's, it was like their like their opaque white soda. Oh, 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 yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I got paid to do I got paid like five hundred bucks to go for like a day and taste test Mountain Dew flavors. They were like doing like they were releasing like some kind of like 
don't even remember what they called it, but it was like black cherry. And we tasted like 30 different subtly different sodas and were asked to like tell what we thought about it and what it made us feel. It was like, <laughs> and then as you're driving home, like cars not staying on the road at all. Like, you're just yeah. sort of... But I got paid like 500 bucks. I haven't been able to drink Mountain Dew in years because when I was in college and right when I graduated, I probably drank more than, let's say, more than a two liter a day. Oh, my God. No longer, yeah. You should no longer drink so, anymore. So You've reached a lifetime capacity. Yeah, I tried. And I tried to quit by drinking Diet Mountain Dew, which was gross and undrinkable. That is gross. And so the only way I could stop was to like go cold turkey and not drink any soda forever. But now when I taste Mountain Dew, it's horrific to me. Like it, it tastes so gross. <laughs> I want to say like in West Virginia, it's Mountain Dew is listed as like like one of the more addictive substances. Um, and it it's caused. I mean, in West Virginia, it's had more. It's had more of an effect as far as like childhood obesity and like the rotting of teeth of children. And so they list it as a truly addictive substance in West Virginia. That's funny. It was a it was a verse designed to be a mixer for moonshine. Yep, and it's so good with moonshine. But good yeah. moonshine's good by itself. So that's true. Mm. Speaking of drinking, I'm a. I'm actually, I, I don't know. I, I wanted the folks at the liquor store to stop knowing me by name and stop thinking that I'm like one of the local Alkies. So I actually have beer tonight. And I, uh, I'm not, I'm not being hipster and cool about it. I've just got the blue moon, uh, tangerine and it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't. I, I'll go back to. Yeah, it kind of tastes like a foot, actually. <laughs> Just kidding. It sucks. But like, gonna... why? Okay, okay, hold on. So like, I don't. If you're gonna buy, like, why not just buy good beer? If you're gonna buy Blue Moon, like Blue Moon is in that category of like, it, like it might as well be like Budweiser, but it's like for people who like drink Budweiser who think they're drinking a craft beer. I think it was because well, like our bearden at the Lowe's Foods, they had like Lowe's. that, you know, like build your own and they were like severely out. So Oh. But like Lowe's food has like a bet like they have a better beer selection than most. Was it just their singles were out or like their whole beer section was out? Yeah, their singles were out. Because I was trying to be oh. super hipster for tonight and I got six different beers to you know to try. So and one of them was Blue Moon Tangerine. <laughs> What was the other one? Fuck y'all. <laughs> what you, you get, did you get a Goose Island? Don't tell me you got a Goose Island. <laughs> I think I got like a land shark and <laughs> oh god. <laughs> what the hell? Land shark land shark is literally like that's that that's was corona. Like in, yeah, that's InBev's answer to Corona. <laughs> y'all are gonna drive me to drinking liquor again. Fine. I mean it's better than Josh, what are you drinking? Shut up, Chaz. <laughs> I just finished a new anthem, um, New England IPA, which all of theirs are delicious and amazing. They are good. I'm debating whether the next beer I drink tonight should be another IPA or if I go into the Big Bad Baptist Dash. 
I don't know. <clears throat> so Chaz, tell us about this game. Oh, right. So the game is guess which two books are propping up my microphone. This is like the dumbest game ever. I thought it was no, going to be not. something. No, it's not. All right, all right. Process of So, I've got two books that are elevating my microphone. Yes, I understand the concept. You have to guess what they are. <laughs> is there like, is it whoever guesses the first two first wins? Or is there a I winner of this game? Oh, <laughs> That's as far as I got. Well, you're, you're, there's no way. Whoever that, figures but, out the first, whoever figures them both out. I don't know how this game works. It's just you're, guess you're which two. about Hegel to actually put your microphone on him. So. Wait, how one tall, of them wrote. How tall, how tall is your microphone? Both of them wrote after Hegel. How tall is your microphone? It's pretty short. Oh, so it could be like, it's going to need to be like a thick book. And it's only two books. Is one of them a more philosopher, less theologian? Mm. Yes. Is one of them a self-published compilation work? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and like microphone stand does not mean like I disrespect the book. So like that, that that's not a corollary. Like that's not a corollary. I would I wouldn't use it. These were just like two books that were very close by when I needed to elevate my microphone. Uh, Bonhoeffer's Ethics. No, but you got the author right, so you get like half a point. Life together. Life together. No. Letters, letters and papers. papers. Yeah, it's one of them is letters and papers. Life together is too thin. Yeah. Well, but if you put like life together with like Christian faith, it would work. Oh, but it was after Hegel. Okay. Yeah. Wait, Christian faith by Schleiermacher? Yeah. Schleiermacher wrote after Hegel did. I don't know things. Is one of them Kierkegaard? No, he's he the he's close to Kierkegaard in that like both like existentialists really like to turn to him. And read him. Y'all are bad at this game. You're, you're working on a damn PhD, and I hate to read. <laughs> it's it's the basic writings of Nietzsche. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fine. More philosopher, less theologian. Yeah. Got Karl Marx back there too, Mister. No. Mark, no, Marx is oh. at the office. All right, that was a not fun game. <sighs> it could have been fun. We should turn it into a drinking game every. every <laughs> we have to drink. So this week we're talking about the theological concept of the good shepherd, but I still want to um, have that sort of initial conversation that we always do and so this week it's going to be more in prepping for um and prepping for this conversation but who felt like jesus as they were reading up on the good shepherd and prepping for this conversation well i'll start with one of the things that i think it's always maybe heretical to say i feel like jesus ever but um 
I, one of the things that I thought about when I read this is, you know, he lays down his life for the sheep. And obviously that's unrealistic to think that everybody's just going to die for another person all the time. But I do think about like the things that we give up in order to be of service to someone else and the ways in which that really matters. Um, and so for me, I think about like, like my service at this current church coming to an end and pursuing something different in hopes that in some way like to be of service to something else like I'm giving up a life a, a life of that I've constructed of comfort and, and ease for one that's not near as comfortable or easy in hopes that I can gain something that I can use to serve other people yeah for me um, and I'll share more about this as we get deeper into the subject but um so basically there's this one of the things in the in the the john passage and we'll we'll put the scripture reference up so y'all can read it um or go find it there's jesus mentioned some mentions uh an, an an other flock you know one that is not the same as the you know as the one that he's sort of speaking to and um i don't know I don't, I don't want to project on jesus but there seems to be there's there seems to be just as much desire for seeking out that other flock as it is the one that's there and i I just i sort of find myself just not being bored with the current flock but just sort of wondering you know what's the other flock like and what's it going to take to um you know to to reach out to them i think like one of the things that stands out to this like in this passage and one of the i mean i don't i don't know if this is how i like relate to jesus in this passage or not because i don't think i don't see myself in this way but one of the things like i is is interesting is like the difference of like this john's version of jesus compared to like the synop the other matthew mark and luke's in that like Jesus has this, like, he's like this man on a mission, right? You know, like I, you know, that very last part of the passage, the like, I, you know, no one takes it from me. I'd lay it down on my own accord. You know, um, I have the power to do this. I could take it up again. And, you know, so you have this very like intentionally like focused um, Jesus, which in the, in the synoptics, like you get, it sometimes feels more of like, you know, Jesus's arrest and crucifixion were something that happened to him. And in like, in John, like, it's very much like Jesus is choosing this path. And well, and really, I mean, when you factor in the prologue of John, it's that this has just been a part of the plan. Right. Like from there's, the, from yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. It started this way. And this is, yeah. And I don't like, I think there's something, there's something aspirational about, about that as a like, about the idea of of a call not like in a like a ministry sense like like a person called into like specific kind of ministry but just like the way that affects just any life right like the way that like anything that becomes the what someone is 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 so focused in on the thing that they they pick up and no one else does it for like you know this sort of like um i don't know like this this idea of like a of a of a project in life um and that's and that doesn't mean like a career even that can be like, 
I think some people it for it's a career. Some people it's sort of like how they give their time. Some people it's like art and like some people it's a craft. And, um, and I think that's one of the things that, that is so striking about Jesus here is this, like for him, it's sort of being this, it's this idea of shepherding, right? This being with people, shepherding people and laying, you know, laying down the life for a sheep. And I don't know, I think, I think there's, I think there's something aspirational about being human in this idea of like this, this overwhelming sense of this is, this is the thing I'm supposed to do. And not that like, we all have that all the times in our life, you know, but I don't know, there's something desirable about that, you know, to seek after something to where Jesus, to feel like Jesus would in this sense of like, this is what I was put here to do kind of thing. And I always find it interesting, um, <clears throat> you know, when we talk about, and this is already starting to get off topic and we'll jump back to it, but um, when talking about following Jesus and <clears throat> considering like there, there sort of becomes a threshold then where you decide like, I'm going to actually stop following Jesus because if you don't, you know, um, where is it going to lead you to eventually? It's going to lead you to either some, you know, some part of yourself is going to die and go away or your actual person is going to die and go away. And I don't know. I think this is one of the, one of the ways where like Jesus isn't showing us like how to like, it's not this example of like Jesus as like a superhuman, right? And then some, and it's, it's one of the instances where like sometimes the hardest thing in life is to figure out like how to live, like if that makes sense, and not just exist. And I get this sense of like, and and that requires like a lot of struggle and choice and circumstances and like there's all there's the material conditions of like there are people who like that it's the the oppressive conditions of their reality make it to where like that is a, like choosing a project is a luxury when you like are struggling for survival right and so you get this image of where like part of what what it like part of the life of faith is not necessarily like life after death but like life like can you live before you die and can you create a world where others can truly live before they die. Um, because so much of our world is e either like we're stuck in like some kind of like melancholy where we can't sort of like figure out how to, how to, how to, how to live in life in, in, in sort of like a, a, an enjoyable way or like our, the, the conditions of our life are such that it is, it's not possible to do so because mere existence is its own struggle. Um, and I think part of the, the life of faith is working towards figuring out how to do that. Do you guys ever think that there is, um, when I, when I, Chaz, when I hear you talking about like a project setting and thinking about, um, the verse 12, um, um, he sees a wolf coming, um, are there, I'm sorry, the hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. Mm. And sometimes I wonder if that is sort of a very simple way of saying, before you begin this project, ensure that you begin this for, a, that, your, that your goal in this project is not just for your, your own personal 
um, edification. You know what I mean? That like there is yeah. a personal aspect to this, and you should be able to get something out of it. But at the same time, like this is not simply for you to to manipulate people and then take advantage of a situation, turn it into your own. Um, yeah, and I think I think what I also like about that idea of the hired hand too is like it, it shows a different level of investment, you know, like and a different level of like what because I think in some senses like there are things in life to which we are hired hands to, right? Like we you do it to get by, right? Because you have to. Um and there are those things to which we like shepherd which have a different level of investment at least in that in the way that john is or that jesus is sort of unpacking this right like that that a shepherd is like there's a there's a willingness to put oneself on the line at least in how this passage is talking about it but and but I, I also go wonder, ahead. i wonder though like so one of the things that john's gospel is sort of known for is the the use of dualisms Mm-hmm. You know, good and bad, uh, light and dark, life and death. And I sort of wonder, I mean, could this, the difference between the hired hand and the good shepherd, could that be just another use of John's, you know, John using dualism here? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you see it too in the, I mean, just the, I mean, you see the sheep and the wolves in this too, right? Um, you know, and so I think, you, I think, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think part of like, I think part of the challenge is for us today and sort of like what to do with that and how to sort of interpret and sort of live into that is like, what do we do? What do we do with that kind of dualism? Because like, usually it's not going to like, like some form of dualism is going to lead to an us versus themness, which is not always like the most helpful thing. And so like, how do we, how do we take a, I guess part of it's like, how do you complicate the dualisms that you find in John so that they don't, but they aren't then used as like some kind of othering tactic. Well, and, and I think that's where we get to with the, you know, this flock and the other flock, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they're both coming, you know, Jesus says that he's, you know, comes to bring them so that they're all under one. Um, so Maybe yeah, I think maybe that's how maybe that's where it sort of gets complicated and brought together. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know for sure because I didn't read the commentary on this or didn't do any research on it. But if I'm just pulling stuff out of my butt and guessing at things, isn't isn't that is, what they teach you how to do in a doctorate level? You know, yeah, thing, that's the, all it really is. They give you oh, some more letters so that people believe that you can like guess <laughs> better, which is pretty much. Um, but yeah i think it's the the two the two like you see here like the you know the jew and the gentile right the two flock right so like jesus being jesus bringing these two like i think in some sense it's like we know which two flocks john is talking about here you know it's the flock of israel and the flock of the gentiles and but i think sort of like bringing that into like like i said like what does that mean for us like how do we read that now? Like, that's a difference. That's a little bit of a different story in terms of like, what is it? What is like the, how do we think through another flock? It's interesting. 
Um, cause I almost imagine I, cause when I, I was sort of thinking about this and where I came in for whatever reason that, that other just sort of jumped out to me. And I kept thinking mm-hmm. about how, you know, on the one hand, we really do like to otherize other people, but I think in particularly in American Christianity, we've gotten so used to otherizing ourselves. Like mm. we, we separate, we, in, we inherently see ourselves as separate from Jesus as separate from Jesus flock, you know, and, no matter, even though Jesus, you know, comes to die for all the, the sins of all people, somehow we're, our sins are so unique and bad that we're sort of, you know, outside of that group somehow, even though we're really not, but we see ourselves as so. And so I, that's where I really, I really like this idea of the other flock, because maybe that's just where, that's where we are whenever we just feel ourselves being such a, you know, like, we're not good enough sort of thing. Jesus is saying, okay, maybe you don't see yourself here, but you're still in this. And guess what? I'm going to seek after you with just as much effort and energy as I do that, you know, the good groups for lack of better words. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Cause part of like, when you first, like, I I like the way, I like the way you took that, but like my first thought when you sort of said, um, we see ourselves sort of in the, in the othering was this was what also I think happens in American Christianity which is this sort of like false martyrdom and false persecution, you know, that happens. And which I think is so difficult to, it's difficult, I think, for a lot of folks to name. And it's also difficult to like know what to do with. And I, cause I don't know of any, like, I can't think, I don't, it's a very uniquely American and contemporary phenomenon, I feel like. Yeah, I was thinking much otherizing in the sense of like otherizing to like look down on or yeah, to yeah, yeah. make the scapegoat or I guess belittle might be a a better or maybe a better word to use. Yeah, no, I. I but it, it is interesting. Yeah, I see that. You know, because we're sort of um, if those we we've mentioned the revised common lectionary on here, and if those if if, if anybody has gone out and looked at that, you you'll know that Ephesians has been coming up periodically too, and. You know, Ephesians, Paul blatantly says in chapter two, you know, this doesn't happen so that you should boast. Mm. And it seems like we're pretty damn mouthy, you know, as a, you know. Yeah. It's never good when like everybody else goes on mute. And then like, I I mean, I'm. I was thinking we're just we're just waiting for Chaz's ass to start talking. I mean, it won't take long. What if part of the dualism isn't that like. One person is the hired hand and one person is the good shepherd all the time. What if the same person is both the hired hand and the good shepherd? I think, I mean, I think there is a sense to where like we inhabit like that it is, I don't know. I I like the idea of thinking through like we fluctuate between those two things. If, if we're talking about how to like, how do we sort of connect with this? Because I think one of like, I, I you know, I just, you know, was talking about this whole like project idea and, and thing in life. But I also think like, there's a, like part of the challenge too, is like, you can't, that's not always going to be the case, right? There's not, you're not always, there's not always going to be this like, like divine light shining forth into like who you are and what you're supposed to do. And that's where I think that the idea of like the hired hand is really interesting. You know, like, you know, we don't like, 
sometimes there is the sometimes like just getting by needs to be okay um and i don't know i don't know where i was going with that but i do like i don't know i I like this idea of sort of bouncing between i I guess i want to like i would i'm hesitant to sort of say like to go with the like there is you know there is this everybody has this you just have to find it and if you haven't found it like that's your fault because i think that like that's so much like also this sort of like american like drive to succeed or like drive to like reach some kind of like american dream it's sort of like this um you know this sort of like pull yourself up by your bootstraps like if you're not like if you don't have this purpose it's because you're not driven enough or you're not whatever enough and that's not i think i guess part of me wants to like push back against that um because that yeah i don't i don't think that's a healthy way to see things what if there is a sense that like the hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep like you cannot care for everything at all times in all places so there are things in your life that you need to be the hired hand to and Mm. leave it and you have to leave it be or else you'd be driven stir crazy yeah no i think that's good i like that I, I, i like that I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I sort of don't like the idea of of us being the hired hand. Um, I, I think I was just, just sort of imagining, you know, <clears throat> this, this imagining us. I mean, you know, we're, like we're supposed to as us as the sheep really does sort of fit today, you know. And you have these these forces that are promising all sorts of things for you, and some of them are going to be beneficial and um, for a little bit, and some will be beneficial for a little bit longer, and then then they'll just be completely deceptive and man, man, manipulative. Um, and it's sort of, it almost seems, it sort of seems like Jesus in a roundabout way, just telling us we're dumbasses when it comes to seeking for seeking out for our best interest, and just to be really sure to not be a dumbass. But what if there's a sense that it's not when you're just the hired hand who just is at this moment unable to 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 help in a meaningful way? But what if it's the danger becomes when you become the wolf and you attack the sheep, not just when you you know, like you said, Chaz, like you we just can't do it. You couldn't pull yourself up and help everybody at all places at all times. So sometimes you have to let that go and be okay with that. It's when you become attacking that it becomes too far when you've mm-hmm. gone too far down that road. Yeah. I mean, I think we're definitely, I mean, I think definitely this sort of read on it. I, I don't think John intends the hired hand to be seen as like a positive person in this by any means, but I do think it's interesting to sort of think through how to like, but John is going to be talk- like I would imagine there's some like he's tied up in these dualisms that probably aren't the most healthy for us to bring forward anyway. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just it, it's interesting. I, I think there is a sense like there is obviously like a negative sense to that character in this story that you don't want to like emulate for sure. Like there's this because I think it also gives this sense of like they're the ones that have, you know if if the sheep are like vulnerable people that are in need of shepherding then yeah, like the hired hand is like the one who abandons those people, you know, like abandons people, which is like not something we want to like promote either. 
but I don't know. Like, I think if we, I think we either identify with sort of the sheep in this, or we sort of identify with the role of the shepherd and the hired hand, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to sort of play with those ideas though. So earlier this week, um, me and Zach talked about this a little bit and I told him that one of the things that it, it just, for whatever reason, keeps coming back to me is the other time where I really think of Jesus and a sheep narrative is when you have Jesus searching for the lost sheep. You know, the one is lost and Jesus goes and finds it and having found it, takes it home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, does not the does not leave the ninety nine in search for the one. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So one of the things I sort of wonder was like, do the ninety nine sheep then, in order to follow Jesus, go with him to search for the one, or do they sort of like? Hmm. I guess in this sense, in the hired hand, sort of just abandon the one and say well good luck fending out there that that same sort of sense of abandonment and and leaving people in a moment of of need like maybe one of the calls here is to like in that moment of need don't just abandon people even you know do your best to to continue to find the one or the lost or however you see that yeah and I also like I also wonder like I think that's the that's the tricky part with all of these sort of like sheep shepherd things is like where do we like which character do we identify with you know and like how do we like how does that work I think is always yeah is always a bit of a challenge um because like with the the 99 and the 1 like I think in some ways, you know, to sort of take like a sort of a more like Protestant sort of Lutheran read on it, like it's what that shows is like it is the it is fully the act of act of God in Christ. Right. It is it is sort of the the radicality of grace that um, is what Jesus is representing in that going after the one. Not that we are sort of to like necessarily fully put ourselves in Jesus's shoes as this, like we are the ones who to go to seek out the one, but like see what God has, like see the, what, like see the extent to which grace has been extended to you. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's always tough to wonder like how much do we identify with Jesus or how much do we, as like, we need to mimic this behavior or how much do we sort of like, see it as like this is an act of god and that we i don't know it's 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 always interesting to figure out how to relate to those things oh okay so i um wow so i joined a facebook group and it was you know it was like office memes (laughs) some good memes (laughs) some real good memes now you sound like uh the the people the npr skit from snl I going to say you sound more like Milton Waddams. <laughs> listen to slow jazz. <laughs> All that jazz. I'll mm. buy your next beer if you say no one can resist my sweaty balls right now. <laughs> I won't be able to do it. I'm like, mm. like a, 
I bet you those those sound really delicious and lovely. <laughs> those do sound wonderful. No one can resist my sweaty balls. They're so moist. <laughs> I hope hopefully everybody has seen the SNL sweaty ball skit. We'll have to put that up. I don't know, man. We're aging out. That's an old skit now. God, more, more cowbell is like twenty some years old. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So I, I have a um, joined one of those Facebook groups and it was office memes. And so I finally got what um, when they go to Gettysburg and Andy makes the hats that says DM does. Oh, um, yeah. GB. I had never actually got what that was. And everybody's like, I think that's a porno thing. Apparently, it's a reference to some porno called Debbie Does Dallas or something like that. And like DM is like Dirty Mom Does Gang Bang. Can I just say for the record that I'm surprised that you say there's some porno. I believe it was called Debbie Does. That's like the original. That's like what. It's like Sorry. A, I don't have yeah, an because anthology. Dallas has the like great greatest like porno backbeat. It's that <laughs> it's Sorry, I, I don't have an anthology of porn at my house. Mm. Well. <laughs> you came along in the age of the internet. You didn't have to store it up like the rest of us. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Unholy Spirits. If you did we would love for you to leave us a review or share with one of your friends. Either way, thanks so much for listening.